All right. Well, why don't we pray one more time and then we're gonna finish up the book of Deuteronomy together this morning. We're gonna dive in to the second half of that book. And so Jesus, one more time, we just come before you. Um, We thank you for this word, for Moses and his life. God, for the children of Israel and all that we see in this group of people, God, that you called your own that you rescued out of their slavery and bondage. Um, You worked miraculously to save them. God, you also were patient with them in their toil and struggle, in in their failings at time. God, that even in the midst of them struggling with being a faithful people, you have always been a faithful God. And Lord, now as we take a look at this next generation that has grown up in the wilderness and is about to move into new territory, God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts about who we are, about what you're calling us into. And God, ultimately about our lifelong relationship with you. Thank you for Moses and his life and his faithfulness. Lord, would you make this word come alive in our hearts? It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. All right, well, we are preaching through the Bible this year as a church. We just finished with the last chapter of Deuteronomy this week. And, and as we're preaching through the Bible, um, if you are interested in getting a little bit more out of it, we've put out a Bible reading plan. And one of the reasons I'm bringing this up specifically this morning is this is a great on-ramp for you. And so if you haven't been doing it, or maybe you've just started coming over the last handful of weeks, um, we're starting on the book of Joshua tomorrow morning. It's a five day a week reading plan. You can jump in. You can even be a little bit thankful. You didn't have to read Leviticus. Um, and so I would encourage you jump in on this. It's, it's incredible just watching God's word come alive. And so here we are in the book of Deuteronomy. This is Moses kind of final statement to the children of Israel. And so they have now spent 40 years in the wilderness. The older generation that had been brought out of Egypt, they have passed on, their children have grown up and they're now preparing to go in and take the promised land. And when we look at Moses, I want you guys to have a sense of this. We are hearing from a faithful, wizened old man of God who has walked with him for his whole life, the last 80 years. He had been 40 years growing up in Egypt, then 40 years in the wilderness that he would eventually lead God's people through. He didn't know that at the time. And 80 years into his life, he has this encounter with God at the burning bush. And at 80 years old, he starts an adventure of a lifetime. And so for the 40 years since then now, He has seen everything from a bush that's on fire and God's talking to him out of it. He goes to Egypt, confronts Pharaoh. We see the 10 plagues. He leads the people through the Red Sea on dry land. And now he's watched God's faithfulness through the ups and downs of these 40 years in the wilderness. And now this guy at the end of his life I want you to imagine like he's gathered everybody around his front porch almost and he's sitting in the rocking chair and just going, I've got some things I wanna share with you guys. As someone who's walked with God, who's seen it all, his own struggles and failings, him watching God show up consistently, regularly through the life of his people, he's saying, hey guys, come lean in close. There's some stuff I wanna share with you. 
That's what the book of Deuteronomy is. And so he has spent the last several chapters now, kind of starting around chapters 12, he begins to just walk them through a restatement of God's laws and statutes and commands that they're to base their life upon. And so he walks them through that, kind of chapters 12 through 26. Then starting in verse 27, he just lays it out as clear as he can before them. God has blessings for your life if you'll align your life with him, if you'll make him your God and you'll follow him. If you don't, life is miserable. And so he lays out these blessings and these cursings. He says, you can choose how you're gonna live, who you're gonna follow. And then in the midst of of laying out this opportunity in front of them, he then goes on to say, and hey, guess what? I'm gonna be real with you guys. In generations to come, people are gonna fall away. They're gonna fall away from God. They're gonna pursue other gods. They're gonna pursue their own way of life. And the consequences of that are gonna be devastating. This very land you're about to go into to take, they're gonna get in captivity and be pulled out of that land. But even then, God will remain faithful. Even then, God will provide opportunity for restoration, for reconciliation. He lays this whole plan out hundreds of years into the future of what's gonna happen. And he says, hey, in that moment, if they will turn to him, God will be faithful to forgive and he will restore and he will bring them back to the land. And so Moses is speaking to this generation about the moment they're at, this moment of decision to follow God, to to base their life upon him and to go take new territory. And he's being honest with them about the road ahead. There's gonna be failures. There's gonna be shortcomings, but God is faithful and he will forgive and heal and restore. And so all of this speech that he's been laying out culminates in Deuteronomy chapter 30. And so we're going to start by just reading 11, 10 or 11 verses together here. This is starting in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11. And, you know, I don't have that like awesome, booming Charlton Heston voice for you guys this morning. Um, For those of you looking confused, that's the actor that was in the Ten Commandments that many of you are probably too young to have seen. Um, I don't have that booming Moses voice, but I want you just to imagine for a minute that this guy, this guy who's been faithfully leading you for years is, is, is speaking to you like his last words. And this is what he has to say. For this commandment, all the stuff he's been sharing with them, for this commandment that I command you today, it's not too hard for you. Neither is it too far off. It is not in heaven that you should say who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it out beyond the sea that you should say who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart so that you can do it. Verse 15. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering 
to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you were going over the Jordan to enter and possess. So I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For he is your life and the length of days and that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob to give them. He, he resets us into reality. He says, here's what's gone before you. Here's what's coming in front of you. And now this is your moment. This is your opportunity to decide what's my life gonna look like. What is gonna be the bedrock, the foundation of my life? What is it that's gonna be that defines me? And Moses says, listen, I've been as honest with you as I can, maybe brutally honest, because I've told you, if you walk apart from God, this is what it's gonna be like. Ultimately, it's death. There's no life in it. Choosing a life apart from God is destructive and damaging and it leads to death. But man, if you will align your life with the one who made you and loves you and has purpose and plans for you, if you will align your life with him, you'll fall in love with him. Like when he says, love God with all your heart, it's not this heartless command to just do it. He's saying, listen, I've done the best I can to help you see him clearly. He loves you and he's worth loving. And if you will love him and walk with him and know him, you'll experience life to its fullness. So this is what Moses lays out. So I wanna take a few minutes and just look at some specifics that he has to say here um, for just a minute. So first of all, that the very first word, um, word that we read was in verse 11. He says simply, for this commandment that I command you today, it is not too hard for you and neither is it far off. The idea here is this, you can understand it. Don't overcomplicate it. You have the capacity to understand what God is saying. Everything I've laid out for you, don't be intimidated by it. You have hold of it. You have it printed right here in your hands. Well, not printed for them, printed for them. Um, you've got this word. You can hold on to it. You can treasure it. It's near you. It's not too much for you to comprehend or understand. Listen, I, I hope if, if you don't hear anything else this morning, I hope you hear this. You and I have the ability to read and understand God's word to read and understand what it is that he has to say to us. We can grab hold of it. We were made to hear it. We were made to receive it. And in fact, God shows up and he will do for us what he did for Moses and these people. He's present, he's right there. The same God that showed up on the mountain and told Moses, this is the way, walk in it. That same God is now present in us. I just, I want to say to you guys, the thing that radically changed my life is when I realized as a 19 year old punk kid 
that I could pick up the Bible and read it myself and invite God to talk to me through that book, it changed my life. My life was changed sitting in the carpet in my bedroom at my parents' house with my Bible open and just saying, God, if you're real, I need you to talk to me. And he did. And he does. We can understand it. It's, it's accessible. I, I realize there are parts of it that are hard to swallow. I realize that there are moments, there are places where it's like, God, I don't know if I fully get this. But I can tell you as someone who's walked with the Lord for years now, the part that I get that I understand, I chew on it. I take it in. The part that I don't, I say, okay, God, help me get it. Help me to understand it. Thank you for other people that can help me understand it. But God, would you make it more and more real to me? And I've watched him faithfully over time help me grow and mature and understand his word. And it's been life-giving because I'm getting to know the God of the Bible. Moses is not asking them to follow a list of rules. He's encouraging them to get to know, to learn to trust and walk with the God who made them and loves them. We can understand it. Not only can we understand it, he says, it's not too far off. It's not out of reach. You can walk this out. If there's one message that he made clear to them, it is that perfection is not the goal. He's real with him. He says, listen, you've seen our struggles. You've seen the mistakes that your parents made. You've seen that we're here in this wilderness. And yes, is life more difficult because of the consequences of our bad decisions? Absolutely. Has God abandoned us and given up on us? Never. He loves us and he's faithful. And so we can purpose to walk with him and we can do it. We can do it by his grace and we can know that his mercy is there when we stumble along the way. It's not too hard for you to understand and it's not too difficult for you to accomplish. You can grab hold of it. Okay, then he goes on, he uses this really descriptive picture about how accessible God is, his commandment is, his words are. And so picking up now verses 12 through 14, it's not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us? That way you may hear it and do it. Neither is it out beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. He says, listen, you don't have to go chasing the end of the earth to find truth. God is right here, right now with you and for you. And here is his word. I get that there is an element of God that's, that's beyond us. He's God, I'm not. There's always gonna be things about him that I don't understand, but he has revealed a whole lot. And he says, here's who I am. Here's what I'm like. Here's my character. I'm a loving, faithful, steadfast, merciful God who brings justice and who also brings mercy. And I'm with you and I'm for you and I won't forsake you. He, he helps us understand who he is. It's not too far away. Now, what's really incredible about this moment here, and Zach, I'm kind of blown away by this, buddy. This passage right here is quoted by Paul in Romans chapter 10. 
And so we're even gonna read a couple of verses you were just sharing with us. So in Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse five, Paul picks up this explanation that Moses gives about God's word being accessible and available to us. And Paul applies it to Jesus because Jesus is the word made flesh. And so in verse five, it says, for Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But verse six, but the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. And what does Paul say? We don't have to worry about ascending into heaven because Jesus has come near to us. He came down from heaven for us. Or verse seven, or who will ascend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. We also don't have to worry because we don't serve a dead God. Jesus isn't just another man who was a prophet who died and is in a grave somewhere. He's the son of the living God. And so not only did he come down to be near us, he rose again in eternal life. And so when he says, I have life to offer, it's something worth grabbing hold of because he's present and he's alive and he's available. Verse eight, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. The message of the hope of Jesus is this. All of these Old Testament laws and prophets and Psalms, all of it was declaring a larger, greater reality that's fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He is the living word of God and he has shown up to give us life that we may choose life and blessing instead of death and the curse. It's through Jesus. And so then he says, what is this word? Verse nine, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Paul says this very word that Moses was talking about, ultimately that word is pointing to the person of Jesus Christ. He's the one that rescues you from Egypt, from sin and slavery. He's the one that will lead you through the wilderness valleys of this life, even the ones of our own making, because he's that gracious and merciful and good. He is the one that by his presence and his grace in your life will help you take new territory where we don't have to stay stuck. We can be healed. We can be made whole. We can move into new things that he has for us. It's in Jesus that this stuff takes place. And Paul's affirming what Moses is saying. The gospel is simple. It's accessible. We can wrap our arms around it because we can wrap our arms around him. He loves us and he is for us. We can understand it and we can walk it out because Jesus is our life. Now with that frame of reference in mind, look now at what Moses is saying through the rest of this chapter. See, I have set before you, this is verse 15 now of Deuteronomy 30. See, I have set before you today, life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, by loving the Lord your God, 
by walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. Simply put, he's saying the choice is before you. What's the foundation of your life going to be? And for you and I, it's our, our choice is Jesus. Am I going to know him? Am I going to trust him? Listen, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, I just have to say to you, the, the choices that we make in life, they're choices that we have to decide every day to continue to walk in. Almost 18 years ago now, I made the choice to walk through life with my wife, Amy. I made the decision to commit my life to her. And so I said my marriage vows and I made a decision that day that she would be my wife for life. But can I tell you, that takes more than just a one day decision. It's bigger than just showing up that day and wearing the suit that was picked out for me with the colors that she wanted and her beautiful dress. And I mean, I participated, but... I let, I, you know, I let her do her thing and pick, pick everything. It was like this special moment and it was special and it was meaningful and I'll never forget it. But now I, I live each day as her husband and she's not in the room to amen this, but trust me, there are plenty of days where I'm not doing that well at that job. Thank you, Jerger. I know you got me, man. <laughs> but we're committed to each other. We're in it for the long haul. It's a decision that we manage every day to say, I wanna love you and be with you and be for you. And by God's grace, we have patience with each other and we, we make our way through it. The Bible uses some of that same imagery to describe our relationship with Jesus. We, we come and we submit to him and we love him and we, we make ourselves ready for him, Ephesians chapter five. But guess what he does as our husband? way more than we do because he gives himself sacrificially for us. He lays down his life for us. And so we can choose to say, God, I wanna choose life today to live my life founded upon you, walking with you. And Jesus, this isn't just a vague idea. It's not just a list of rules. You're a living God. You've come near and you're alive and present still in my life and you'll help me to know and walk with you. What's the, what's the consequences of this? Check this out, verses 19 and 20. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. Loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give them. Moses knows this is no small decision he's calling them to. He's telling them this will affect your entire life. And in fact, it will affect future generations how you choose to live. 
This will affect your children. And so what does this life that he's encouraging them to choose look like? He gives three basic things. He says, first of all, love the Lord your God. That's personal affection. This is about getting to know God and treasuring him. Treasuring him. Viewing him as, as worth knowing. As worth following. As worth, you know, we, we call them our devotions. Has the word devotion ever sounded like a bad word to you? Like, oh, I got to do my devotions again. Or, man, I... I haven't been very faithful with those. I made my New Year's resolution back in January to be faithful in my devotions. And now it's January 8 and I've kind of struggling. And anybody relate to that? Yeah, somehow we've, we've taken the word devoted and made it this chore, this task. That's not even what the word means. Faithfully devoted. I'm committed. I love you. I want to do this. God loves us and invites us into our love relationship with him. And so he says, hey, choosing life with me looks like loving me and learning my love for you. Then he says the word obey. But this, this, this word obey is more than just doing what you're told. This word obey has a lot more to do with living a life of faith. It means listening, understanding, and yielding. Listening, understanding, and yielding. Purposing to hear what God has to say. And not just settling for, I checked the box, I heard it. God, I, I wanna understand what is it that you're speaking to me about who I am, about the life that you're calling me to, about who you are and what you're up to. God, I wanna grab a hold of that. I wanna understand it. And then where that involves action Help me to have faith to yield to you, to trust your leading in my life. And so it's about faith. And then finally, he says, hold fast to him. That word hold fast, it means to cling or, or literally to stick to. It means I'm following him closely. This word has within it kind of the concepts of hope and trust. Because Moses knows there's gonna be moments where it's gonna be hard to hold fast. There's moments in life that are coming where it's gonna seem easier to let go. Where it's gonna feel like he hasn't shown up. He doesn't care. He's not with me. He's not for me. And Moses is saying, no, hold on to your hope. Hold on to him. Trust God through the thick and thin. He loves you. He's for you. And so love him. Yield your life to him and hold fast even when it gets difficult. These are the parting words of Moses as he prepares to die. And the man saying all of this lived it. He lived it. He lived a life loving God, faithfully yielding to him holding fast when it got crazy and difficult. I mean, guys, y'all been, been sitting through this reading? Like we've spent weeks now looking at Moses' life. He has walked this out, not perfectly, but faithfully. He's trusted God. And so Moses now goes on. He's, he's wrapping up. These are his final moments. He appoints Joshua as the leader. He teaches the people this beautiful song that God gives him as a, a song of worship and remembrance. 
And then he completes the writing of this very book we've been reading and by name goes through each tribe of Israel and plays a, prays a blessing over them. And all of this leads up to the last chapter of Deuteronomy where Moses, this guy, who's walked with the Lord this way, reaches his final moments. Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse four now. And the Lord said to him, this is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to your offspring. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. God's led this, this old man, Moses, up onto the mountaintop and he's letting him survey the land that's been promised all these years. He lets him get one last look at it and then says, hey, buddy, you get to see it, but you don't get to go in. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And God buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor but no one knows the place of his burial to this day. We see some interesting things here. First of all, God keeps his promise. There's the promised land and my people are about to get it. Moses gets to see that promised land, but doesn't get to enter. It's so close, he can almost taste it. He can almost touch it, but he doesn't get to enter. And then God buries him. I want you to think about the contrast here in Moses' life. His starting point with God is at the burning bush. This is in, in Exodus, the first couple chapters in Exodus. And his starting point is, I'm terrified. God's inviting me to go on this incredible adventure. And he's just trying to muster the courage to say yes. He's doing everything he can to talk his way out of it. He's scared to look at God when he realizes he's there. He's worried about his ability to speak and communicate well. He's terrified of what the people are going to think of him. The starting point of his relationship with God is, I don't know if we can take this territory you're calling me to take. Now, fast forward 40 years of faithfulness, and now Moses is at a place where instead of being terrified of where God may call him, he's trusting God when God won't let him go where he'd like to go. Not only does he not get to enter into the promised land, he's entering death. And he's entrusting his life to the, the most difficult, scariest journey that any of us will ever take, he entrusts his life into God's hands. God, I've run my race. I'm at the end of my course. And I'm looking at this thing that I've faithfully been working towards my entire life, helping these people get there. And I don't get to see it. Or I get to see it, but I don't get to touch it. I don't get to enter in. And Moses is okay with that. He trusts his life into God's hands. In the midst of, yes, wonderful things that he's seen, but in this situation, in the midst of disappointment, even some things being denied him that he'd like to experience, he doesn't get to see the final culmination of his life's work. And yet he lays his life into his hands. Moses believed that he could trust God with his death because he had trusted God with his life. And through all the ups and downs, 
he chose to believe that God was faithful and good. And because of that, Moses did set foot in the promised land. I don't know how many of you are aware of this or not, but the very first time that Moses set foot in the promised land was with his savior, Jesus. In Luke's gospel, chapter nine, I'm gonna kind of close with this thought. There's another leader who has come along and he's speaking to his followers about his coming death. And he's giving them some final instructions regarding their lives. And so Jesus is gathered with his disciples in Luke chapter nine, beginning in verse 18. And it says, now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. And he asked them, what do the crowds, who do the crowds say that I am? And they answered, basically they answered, they're confused. (laughs) They answered, some think you're John the Baptist, others say Elijah and others that one of the prophets of old has risen. Then Jesus said to them, who do you say that I am? That, That really is the question, isn't it? Who do you say that Jesus is? And Peter answered, you're the Christ of God. And Jesus strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one. And saying, the son of man, speaking of himself, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Jesus has his own version of this Moses conversation. Guys, the choice is before you. Are you gonna follow me? Will you give your life to trust me? And it's in that context that then several days later, the next verse, verse 28, or a couple verses down, but at the end of this conversation, the disciples have just kind of been sitting with that. It's like eight days. It's like, this is the last thought on their minds. And then Jesus takes his three closest guys, Peter, James, and John, and says, hey, we're gonna head up onto that mountain to pray. Reading in verse 28. Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. Verse 29. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. You know, when Moses got to set foot in the promised land, when his God, when Jesus himself is standing on another mountaintop with him and Jesus is facing his imminent death, Jesus can relate to our fears, our struggles, our worries. He can relate to all of it. Here's Moses who died before the promise. Guess what? Jesus died before the promise. It was his very death that accomplished it. It's his very death that enables us to enter into life eternal with him. 
It's his death that worked to our life. And think about the faithfulness of God. It's so easy to read this passage and just think, well, it's a special moment. We're seeing Jesus as the son of God. And so Moses and Elijah are there to sort of validate him. And so the disciples are to see him. Think about it from Moses' perspective. He's standing in the promised land. He entrusted his life to God in the midst of a hard and difficult life. Full of miracles, yes. Full of sacrifices, many. And a life that ended with something still missing, some disappointment that he didn't get to experience, but he trusted his life into the hands of God. And God said, Moses, I see you, I got you, and I'm saving something special for you. Because the first time you're gonna set foot in the promised land, it's when the son of promise shows up on the scene the one who I told your forefathers long before I was gonna bless the whole world through them. It's this man right here, Jesus. And Moses now gets to talk to his God who's about to do what Moses had done and face death. That's how good our God is. He creates this moment with Moses. This is the legacy of Moses, a man who took on the life that God offered despite all the obstacles, the difficulties, and the disappointments. And Moses declared, it's worth it. His message to Israel wasn't, life's too hard, it's too difficult, you'll never make it, just get what you can out of it and good luck. It was not his message. His message was, God is worth knowing and following and devoting your life to. He loves you. He's for you. When you mess up, he's faithful. He's worth it. Trust him, follow him, choose life. And so Deuteronomy closes like this. And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. May we follow Moses' legacy and choose life. May we purpose in our hearts to be people who are gonna love God, who wanna faithfully obey him and who are gonna hold fast to him through thick and thin. Moses says, there's no better way to live. It's worth it. He's near. He's not far. He's near. He's, he's right here. He's in your heart. He's in your life. His words will be on your lips. You can know him. You can understand what he's saying to you. And you can trust him to be faithful and present in your life. In this life, and the next. He's faithful. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the life of your faithful servant, Moses. God, this morning specifically, I'm faithful that he took time to sit down and record all that you did, all that you said through all the years of his life. Thank you for the faithful witness that he gives us of a life devoted to following you. 
God, you don't promise a perfect life and you don't call us to perfection, but you do promise a good life, a life that's rooted and founded in you, Jesus. Jesus, thank you that you are the fulfillment, the culmination of these books we've been reading. That the law points to you. It shows us our very need for you. It shows that you're the ultimate perfect sacrifice and that you love us and you're for us and that your presence will be with us. God, I pray that in our hearts, we would choose life. God, we'd choose it today in this moment. God, that we would choose it on a difficult Thursday in the middle of March. God, we devote ourselves to you, to love you, to faithfully obey and follow you, and to trust you through the good time and the bad. It's in Jesus' name we pray this morning, amen.